You're listening to Discovering Multifamily, where we discuss all educational topics in commercial real estate with an emphasis on multifamily apartment investing via syndication. And now your hosts, former NFL fullback Brian Leonard and Anthony Scandariato. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Discovering Multifamily podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Scandariato with Red Knight Properties. And welcome back. Uh, we have a great show here today. Uh, we have a very good guest uh, talks about a pretty interesting topic, uh, Jack Krupke. And we're going to talk about a what's a funds of funds. That's exact. That's what the topic's going to be uh, focused around. But Jack is a um, experienced real estate executive um, focused on investment and asset management, um, pr- particularly now uh, in mostly multifamily. Uh, properties, and I'll let Jack kind of speak for himself. But he's uh, advising passive investors today on you know real estate and alternatives um, from select operating partners, and we'll explain what an operating partner is. Um, and uh, again, he's got a lot of experience. He he knows what to look for when he's vetting real estate partnerships and sponsors, um, not only multifamily, but he's got experience in self storage, mobile homes, um, and even the private landing lending space. So Jack, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Good. So can you talk to us about your JCAM investments platform? Sure, sure. So uh, I um, had a career in private equity in New York. Uh, you know, Since the 2008 financial crisis, we were actually buying distressed loans uh, all over the country. So over the last 10 years, we uh, underwritten over 30,000 loans, um, a lot of uh, residential. So uh, frankly, the, the uh, Multifamily is almost seems easier because you know we get we get these like well put together packages from professional firms like 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 yours versus uh, prior we're you know looking for uh, you know houses where you have a drive by broker's price opinion and, and maybe you can't see the back of the roof that may not exist. Um, but so while I was uh, doing that, I was living in New York, uh, paying the highest uh, you know high tax bracket and uh, you know looking for alternative assets. So. Um, you know, I had to make the, the decision on, you know, was I investing in a property in, in South Carolina or, or property in Georgia? And, uh, you know, I had, I had a little bit of savings, but it wasn't like I had enough money to, to pick and choose and get the diversity I was looking for. So um, I left that firm last year and established my own fund. Uh, it's a Reg D 506C. And uh, what I wanted to do is give, you know, friends, family, clients of mine, uh, the opportunity to invest in lo- alongside me, but also to have the diversity. Because the, you know, the average accredited investor that uh, is looking for um, you know, exposure to the multifamily asset class generally has to choose. They might know a guy from a country club. They may, they may know you guys. But a lot of them don't have the contacts or connections. And I want to make that more available to um, you know, the, the, the community of, of accredited investors. And um, also, there's a lot of synergies on uh, the sponsor and developer side. Um, as, as you know, it's very competitive and very hard to find good deals. And what I didn't want to be doing is competing and, and having to you know, fight to, to win the, you know, the 100-unit building uh, you know, where, where there's multiple offers. And uh, um, you know, what I found is a lot of operators, even great ones that have large client bases, when you have 30 days or 45 days to uh, raise a few million dollars for a building, um, I, I found it's very, very synergistic to, to work with a group like mine that can aggregate a number of investors in and make uh, larger, larger checks uh, for, for these projects. Awesome. Uh, so can you talk about a couple of those projects in, in very high level detail um, and also just explain to our audience why, you know, 
will your method is beneficial for an operator a little bit more in, in depth? I mean, from, from my perspective, you're right. Usually it's 30 to 45 days, um, you know, with fundraising, depending upon how long your contract is. Um, and that could be very stressful for an operator, especially if it's in the tens of millions of dollars, um, even for, you know, especially for emerging sponsors and operators. So, and what I mean by that, just for our audience is just, um, you know, real estate operators like my company, as an example, we aggregate capital, we pull financial resources from groups and we invest it, you know, in the real estate projects together that we're, you know, we're sourcing. Um, so that could be stressful. So I think the fund to funds method is, um, I think an emerging topic because why, why, why don't you want to be an operator? Why don't you want to do what my company Red Knight Properties does? What, what, Sure, sure. That's, that's something I've put a lot of thought into over, over recent years. And I, I think uh, one thing is, you know, just knowing sort of my personality and the type of business and type of skill set uh, that, that I have. Um, you know, I've always been a connector. I've always been sort of an evangelist for real estate. You know, when I was in my early 20s, I was the guy saying buy a two family house, rent the other side out, live for, you know, live for, for close to free. Um, I was very early in the non-performing distressed loan space after 2008. So, I, you know, at the time, you also then had a lot of landlords who couldn't buy properties at the sheriff's sale anymore because Blackstone and Colony were, were going into the market. And, uh, you know, it's a natural progression for me to, to really, you know, use my, you know, my own capital, which is also co-investing in these deals and help, help my tribe, if you will, uh, you know, my contact base to, uh, to diversify their assets. Um, those who know me know I'm not, I'm not a guy who's swinging a hammer. Um, you know, I know, I know enough about construction to underwrite deals from all the underwriting, but, uh, you know, it's really more of, uh, you know, a wealth management play at this point to, uh, you know, help, help my network, um, find the diversification. And I, and I really think the diversification, uh, is key and, uh, you know, you guys are a great operator, but at the same time, if you want a project in, uh, you know, North Carolina and there's a hurricane that comes up every five or 10 years or Florida, um, you know, one project could have some challenges, but then now you have projects in Texas and Phoenix and other markets that are not challenged. So I think this asset class, which, you know, the one downside is there's a little bit of a lack of liquidity compared to buying a REIT uh, that's more than offset by having the diversification and also the, the incredible tax savings. Um, I also, you know, I took it a step further. I actually moved to Puerto Rico. So I took advantage of the Act 20 and 22 tax benefits. Um, which uh, if you are a bona fide resident uh, in Puerto Rico, you uh, don't pay any capital gains tax on uh, Puerto Rico sourced income. And there's also a 4% tax rate for, for expert services, which includes management fees. So, you know, I'm a bit of a tax nerd and I enjoy um, helping, um, you know, my friends and clients, uh, you know, make the most efficient investing decisions. And uh, the depreciation that passes through on these assets is, is incredible. And, uh, yeah, I've really enjoyed, uh, you know, helping and I'm not a, not a CPA. I'm just, I know enough about taxes to be, uh, you know, to be effective, but I, I can't give tax advice, but I do love walking people through the, the depreciation and especially the accelerated depreciation um, that passes through on uh, a majority of, uh, of these projects. For sure. And accelerated meaning bonus, right? Yeah, exactly. Through the cost segregation study. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty incredible. I assume you guys do that on many, many of the, many of your deals too. And the, the reason why I bring that up is just because I've heard the same um, comments from our, you know, investors that, wow, this, this bonus depreciation is amazing. Um, so you basically, some, some people, you know, with the tax savings that they got and the actual investment that they put in, some people basically take it as a write-off. But again, I'm not a tax person either. 
Um, there's a difference between passive losses and active losses. So definitely consult the CPA before even announce, uh, um, considering cost segregation. Um, but uh, obviously, the many benefits that you just talked about are the many reasons why we invest in multifamily real estate. Um, so can you, you talk a little bit about more of the fund of funds method, how it works? Obviously, you're aggregating capital from uh, your network, and then you're aligning with operators, you know, whether it's myself or somebody else, to partner together and find good opportunities. So how do you vet the sponsors, number one? And number two, from your background, how do you get comfortable with it being a good opportunity? Because it's really, it really comes down to the team and the deal at the end of the day. Exactly, exactly. You said it right. So, um, you know, the good news is, is I've been investing myself for a number of years, even when I was still, uh, still had a full-time job in, in, you know, New York and private equity. So um, these initial deals, uh, you know, many of the sponsors I've known for a number of years already. Um, you know, whether it's myself or, uh, you know, one of my uh, other seed investors in the fund has been in real estate 30 years, very active in, in some of the, the more national mastermind groups. Um, so there's a number of, of pretty, very well vetted uh, sponsors um, that, you know, myself or colleagues have had money with for a number of years. So, um, you know, and over time, you know, we're going to, we're going to be expanding the network. So, you know, it just, it comes down to a little bit of an art and a science, you know, certainly looking at track record, having a personal referral, um, you know, having someone who's had enough experience that they've, uh, they've, uh, maybe been through the prior downturn and, and, uh, you know, know, know that it doesn't, things don't always go up and sometimes there's challenges. Cause I do think the last five or seven years as cap rates have compressed and, and the, the market's appreciated, it's been, it was probably towards the easier end of, of a cycle to, uh, to, to make money. And, uh, you know, um, and on, on the buy side, I mean, the projects have to have to make sense. I mean, in an area where it's very competitive. Um, you know, we, we like to see projects that have a slightly, you know, higher cash on cash return that are approaching the eight to 10% range where, where, you know, where the, the sponsor is not stretching to get the deal done. Um, and, and there's a little intricacies. We turned down a deal cause we didn't like the siding. We thought that the sponsor was, uh, was underestimating the, the cost of repairs for the, for the shingle siding, uh, that was on the project. So there, there's little intricacies here and there. Um, we're a big fan of class B, um, where we are in this economic cycle. I feel like it's a very defensive play and there's enough quality class B properties, whether it's B minus to B plus or, or B plus, maybe to even a, an A, um, you know, we, we, we like that, that asset class, the workforce housing aspect of it. I feel like even, even if there is a little bit of an economic slowdown, um, we feel that, the um, you know, people downsize from a class A to a class B, um, Right now, the single-family housing market is on fire, and uh, it's 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 hard to find a single-family house, and that's going to trickle down to uh, to apartment occupancy, and um, you know it goes back to the diversification as well. Um, so, good sponsors, good projects, and uh, and diversification, and we feel uh, you know we feel pretty good about uh, you know providing a strong uh, risk uh, risk return. Sure. So, we talk about the asset class. Uh, how about the markets? What markets are you targeting? What do you see being hot? Um, obviously, you talked about, you know, single family housing um, being, I mean, there's like record sales and probably all across the country um, outside of the major metropolitan cities. Um, do you see that trend continuing? Um, yeah, 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 absolutely. And we're, we're, we're targeting the growth markets. Uh, you know, we're, we're in the southeast. Uh, we have a deal in Augusta, Georgia, Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, we have a, a new deal we're uh, funding next week in Lawrenceville, Georgia. And then we also have an asset in Phoenix. 
Um, so we also like, you know, we like Denver. Um, we like uh, Colorado Springs, Boise, Idaho, uh, really all the growth markets. Um, and otherwise, we're, we're somewhat agnostic. We would lean towards maybe a, a more of a secondary or tertiary market uh, than a than a uh, primary market. I'd rather take a six and a half cap in uh, Augusta, Georgia, or Jacksonville than pay you know the five and a half cap in, uh, in in Tampa for the most part. But you know every deal is deal dependent. It really depends on uh, how much of a value add component there is, and if it's a uh, you know if it's the the prototypical value add where the prior owner just didn't renovate the apartments for 15 years and just threw some paint on it and, uh, and kept the rents low versus the, you know, the more aggressive value add where you're either building a new building or adding significant amenities or, uh, you know, stretching, uh, if you will. So, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think part of the, part of the, the focusing on growth markets will, will help as well. I mean, there's a natural trend of the population to move to the Southeast that was happening pre COVID. Um, I think uh, some of the, so I'm not saying people aren't going to go back to offices, uh, but maybe 10 to 20% of people are now have, now have a more flexible work-life balance where they'll be able to work from a, a cheaper area and maybe commute in three days a week as opposed to five um, or, or work from home and come in for meetings once a month versus having to be within a 30-minute commuting distance of, you know, of their job. And I, and I think that, that dynamic has probably changed permanently. Um, with that said, people will go back to offices. I, I know some people... Uh, um, are, are, are craving that just the, you know, the uh, water cooler interactions. And, uh, you know, there is some people are more productive with a two hour less commute, but there is a lot of productivity that comes from the office. So I do think that will bounce back to some extent. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and so are you focusing with that being said, is it, is it more uh, what, what type of vintage are you looking at? Um, what, you know, what type of construction and you, you mentioned, um, you're vetting a sponsor's deal and they underestimated their siding. Um, you know, are you, are you mentioned class B. So by class B is in 1980s prop properties plus. Yeah. yeah. They've ranged from the seventies to eighties. Um, you know, obviously anything built after 1978 or nine, you know, you don't have to worry about, about lead paint. However, you know, I feel at this, at this stage, I mean, any strong operator with a strong property manager is, you know, is there's a system for handling those, uh, um, you know, the, you know, the, the potential issues with lead and, and frankly, you know, some of the, some of, you know, some of the grants, some of the Fannie Green program for, um, you know, replacing the windows anyway. I, I think some of that just gets handled naturally. So, you know, but it tends to be seventies to, to mid eighties. Um, you know, the Holy grail is just the, the family owned complex that wasn't very, uh, very well, um, uh, aggressively managed where there's a lot of embedded upside. And um, you know, I, I did forget to touch on when I kind of went on a tangent before. You'd asked about sort of how we work with uh, with the sponsors. So uh, yes. let, me, let me go back to that. Uh, going to come back to that. Briefly. So um, yeah, we, we we look at ourselves. At, you know, our sponsors are our business partners. Um, you know, with that said, we we look for deals where we can aggregate a significant enough capital that it makes a difference for the sponsor. Um, you know, if you're if you're somebody who's got you know hundreds of thousands of downloads a, a month, and and basically you throw an email out and you raise more money than you need. Um, you know, we're probably not moving the needle, but for, for the sponsors that are, um, you know, even sometimes better operators than marketers, uh, we, we, we like to be able to plug in as sort of an outsourced uh, um, partner that uh, can, can move the needle and, and help, help them be more confident, even, even sometimes more confident in bidding, knowing that perhaps the first million dollars is, uh, is spoken for. Um, and for that, we also seek to get, uh, you know, when we can, when we move the needle, um, better terms. 
Um, in some cases, we've got a higher preferred return because we're coming in with more money. Um, many of the sponsors set their docs up that way anyway, where you know, if you're over a couple hundred thousand, you get a higher craft. Um, in some cases, we also um, you know, have, have gotten a piece of the general partner, uh, which, which actually is rebated to, to the fund. So um, that means uh, you know, what I strive for is if somebody's going to put 50,000 with me versus 50,000 directly into a deal, that they're getting better terms and it does offset some of our management fee. Um, to some extent, there is still two fees, but uh, you know, if that project does really well and we're getting a piece of the GP side, it's not out of the question that they actually make better money uh, coming in with us. And then they're also getting the diversity, our, our network of operators and sponsors, and uh, you know, just our overall uh, management insight. And um, you know, I think there, there's value there, uh, especially for the small investors that need, uh, need diversification. Um, what we've done, uh, what we will do for, in some cases for, for much larger investors, if you're a family office and you have millions of dollars, many of them are probably not going to go into a fund of funds because they have an in-house team of people vetting deals. But at the same time, we have a deal right now where we're direct, potentially directing a 1031 into a deal directly. So uh, we have the consulting and advisory side where we might put 500000 from our fund into the deal, but I'm also directing a... Uh, you know, a million dollar 1031 through a tenant in common. So we really take a consulting advisory approach. It's a real estate's a team sport. And uh, especially given this time frames here, it's about, you know, who has, who has the right, you know, the right amount of capital to deploy at the right time and or the right contacts that will come along due to our reputation and uh, where we can provide value to them in, uh, you know, sourcing a quality opportunity that we'll put our own money into and then help them find their 1031 exchange um, to, uh, cause that timing is very, uh, very specific as well as you know. Excellent. Awesome, Jack. So how could people find you, learn more about you? Maybe they want to invest with you. What, how do they reach out? Um, absolutely. So, uh, the website is JCAM investments. That's JKAM investments.com. Um, we're on Facebook, we're on LinkedIn and, um, we're, you know, fully, fully accessible. Um, I'm looking to network with both sponsors like yourselves and investors and, um, you know, very, you know, at this stage is, you know, every conversation is a good conversation if, uh, if there's potential synergies. So I'd encourage people to reach out on all platforms. Uh, I assume we can put the, uh, the, the links in the show notes as well. Yes, I can. And I will. I'll have a link to uh, Jack's website as well as LinkedIn, Facebook, etc. in the show notes on the iTunes description. So definitely check out Jack's platform. Very interesting uh, stuff there. And Jack, I want to thank you again. Hopefully I'll have you on again. Um, in a couple months or so and, and see how things are going. Yeah, we'd we, we love it. Always good. Always great to catch up. Thank you, Jack. Thanks. Have a great day.